You are now listening to Feeding Off Each Three, Other. Three, two, one. Welcome back to Feeding Off Each Other, a weekly podcast where we feed off the talent, humor, knowledge, and awesome stories of our guests. There's a real lack of sounds right now, Jason. Can you oh, play I some more you, sounds? I no, I want more sounds, sounds over it. Oh, okay. A weekly podcast <laughs> where we feed off the talent, humor, knowledge, and awesome stories of our guests and each other. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel a, more comfortable now. I can is relax. Is there a Snoop Dogg, like, uh, smoking a bong? Is that in that? <laughs> I definitely had, like, a smoke weed every day. Smoke weed every smoke day. Weed oh, every yeah, day. there you go. Higher <laughs> <laughs> I woke up to a podcast with Brett Tippy this morning, so smoke weed every day. <laughs> I'm Matt Dennison, and I'm joined, as always, by Jason Midnight Snack Lucas. Let's go. <laughs> How was that Donera, Midnight Donera, last night? It was Good. Uh, we went to Chubby Ducks on a little midnight stroll, completely sober. And uh, yeah, got to the village at midnight, which was an eye-opening experience. I don't think I've been out that late sober in the village. And uh, Dave, I think you can attest, it was a nightmare. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, Wait, who's Dave? I haven't said his name yet. And as always, I'm joined by David. Dave is not here. <laughs> Second crank worker. Yeah. Wiggins. Yeah. Oh, I had the second DW in the room. That's true. Oh. The, other, the other D... David Wiggins. We'll call yeah. him Little D. Little D. Yeah. 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 That's my, that's, yes. I should have just went with that. It's yeah. not because I'm younger. It's because of another reason. What did you think of the crowds last night? Oh, my God. There were so many insane teens, all with the exact same broccoli haircut. <laughs> and they were they were drinking Hey Y'alls uh, just in public and just screaming at each hey other. Y'all. Yeah, exactly. It exactly. terrible. Yeah, it's still Crankworks. We're still here at the Ava recording. Mm-hmm. We've uh, changed this whole hotel room into our own little podcast set. Room 420. This room is, 420. This is tech, boys. This is real. <laughs> we'll see if the... Uh, like red cameras pointed at me and like... <laughs> This is this is the biz. This is the shiz. <laughs> They're well, black, actually. You. They're black cameras. You, yeah. you're, you, how hungover are you? Uh, are you seeing hungover. red? Are these, uh, <laughs> is there black magics? No, no, no. They're reds. I'm just. Oh, yeah. It's just a little wordplay. Yeah, just a little wordplay. It was a joke. Yeah, it was a joke. What, where's the joke? All where's right. The joke? You, you can't pull it over on me because I am hungover. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I, I want to hear some stories from our guests. Yeah, What's we got to we got to intro this guest. Yeah. You've already done the talking, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna let the people know who you are. So. Today's guest is an Emmy award-winning director and executive producer behind some of the world's most culturally defining sports media, including the wildly popular and influential New World Disorder series. Additionally, his production company, Freeride Entertainment, is known for creating incredible ads with major brands such as Red Bull, Under Armour, Samsung, Lexus, and so many more. Beyond that, he's an inductee into the Mountain Biking Hall of Fame and was one of the founding minds behind major bike events such as Red Bull Rampage and Crankworks. He actually has a film premiering tomorrow here at Crankworks. Nothing's for free. I'm sure it'll be pretty chill. No parties at all. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Cantaloupe's own Derek Westerland. Yes! This is a certified hood classic. Thank you so much for joining us. It is an True honor to have you in the building in room 420 with us. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for reading that off my website. It's on it super pro. Yeah, you ever heard um, of Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, my life's Wikipedia. Dude, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank awesome you for have having me. Always a fan and uh, privileged to be here with you. 
we're fans of you. I think both uh, Matt and I can attest to the impact you've had on our, our early days of getting into mountain biking and filmmaking. Both Absolutely. Ends. Well, that's rad. I always love the uh, NWD monikers that uh, occur in your legacy of uh, sweet videos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For, for the people that don't know, what is, Cole's notes, what is neural disorder? Um, when was it? How did it come to be? <laughs> we, did, we didn't do any research. We did, we're actually just asking you. What yeah, is it? You're asking. <laughs> um, I'm telling. Um, New World Disorder was a film series uh, through the, uh, what do we call it, rap metal years of, uh, of, of our lifetime, um, the 2000s. And uh, it was sort of the, I would say, the anthem of free riding for the day and uh, still you know, to this day holds up and is a bit of a cult classic uh, series. It was 10, 10 movies. 10, 10 movies. Nailed and then it. it was over. Um, yeah, it was uh, the decade of decadence, except I wasn't in Motley Crue, almost. <laughs> so I want to I wanna, um, let you know that Dave is a second time mountain biker, mm-hmm. good friend of ours. We've been working with him for 10 years. Yeah. Um, sure great not? guy, great guy, pretty good guy, <laughs> decent mountain biker at this point, real funny, funny writer, but he's the layman of the group. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're, we might have to do some over explaining, mm. you know, we want to keep him inside the conversation a little bit here. There you go, Dave. Don't worry about me. I'll just, just be here. It's not a mountain biking <laughs> podcast. It's not a mountain biking <laughs> podcast. Just remember that. Yeah, exactly. I always forget. Uh, we didn't get back to where, what you did last night and why you're hungover. Oh, geez. Well, you know, Whistler has a, is a is, Whistler is a love-hate relationship for me because I love mountain biking and hanging out with all my friends, but it seems like every time I'm here, all I do is socialize and drink, and then I never get anything done like actually ride my bike. So I've, I think years ago, I retired from trying to ride at Crankworks. I, I, I feel like the last time I saw you may have been, the uh, first time I met you, perhaps, was at a movie premiere at the Palms in Vegas. Is this right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there was a few of those. <laughs> there, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. I think it was nine, where the trail ends. The, oh, yeah. Where the trail ends. That's right. And... That was, yeah, that was a, no, I, I think I blacked out that night. <laughs> I saw Bam Margera there. Yeah, he was with us and uh, a bunch of those goons that we've known from the past. That, that, I think that was one of only two times in my life I may have uh, drank a little too much and had some dark memories. Yeah, there you People go. don't forget. Yeah, but Any, oh my God. Anytime Bam's in the mix, there's something about forgetting. Do you remember him showing up? Oh yeah, think? absolutely. Like, um... So our friend, Sweet Pussy Frank, who used to work at uh, uh, Contour and was previously like ran Tony Hawk's Boom Boom Huck Jam and all oh, that legend. stuff. Super legendary guy. Like one of the coolest dudes I've ever worked with in my career. He's, he's faded and became a born again Christian. I think he like moved back to like where he came from now. But those guys all grew up together and, and they grew up hard, hard and fast, obviously, through that time. And... A lot of them struggled with addiction, but Bam uh, <laughs> shows up in the most unlikely places. And um, I actually went to Cam Zink's wedding, and I was driving to 
Sweet Pussy's house and I get this phone call and he's like, there's this, you know, friend of ours that's showing up and I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's like an unannounced guest. And I was with my wife and we were going to Sinking Amanda's wedding and it was like supposed to be this chill weekend where I was going to hang out at Frankie's. And then I was like reeling through the the, the, the Rolodex of heathens that I know and like, who could be, who could this be? And it was kind of like this moment where I finally showed up at Frank's house and we'd be like, is this the place? Ding dong. We could hear music playing and, and nobody answers. Ding dong, ding dong. And all of a sudden the door opens and it's bam. And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh it's, shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. We, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a much longer story attached to that, but yeah, it was cool to have those guys. Like I think where the trail ends to me, we talked about it today, still kind of like my favorite mountain bike movie of the era. And, um, it was cool that this skate surf board sports community really adopted to that movie. They really like took to it because it, it had a, a sense of soul and flow that I think, uh, a lot of the bam, 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 NWD type films didn't have. So I think that resonated with a lot of people. For sure. I, I remember I didn't believe it was actually him. I thought it was uh, like a street performer, you know, like a impersonator. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, 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 I looked at him. He was just standing there. Everybody had already funneled into the theater to begin watching the film. And I was one of the last people out. Um, and I gave up a photo and I walked into the theater and I thought, you know what, even if it is an impersonator, I think I should go back. So I took a photo with him. Oh, and then after, after the, yeah, I took a photo after the fact, someone told me, no, that's actually him. That's funny. I, I, that was, that was probably, I don't know, one of the, only a couple true star struck moments in my life. Oh there yeah. You, go. you know, it's a faux pas to take photos with celebrities, right? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was nearly blacked out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was like 20 or 21. I don't know. Another <laughs> Camacray adventure in my NSME days. Love it. Is it a faux pas? Is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> See, this is why I left Zach Galifianakis alone at the grocery store. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. made fun of me. They're like, why don't you go get a picture? I'm like, ah, let him live his life. Oh, that's so funny. I was actually um, with one of my good, good friends in Vancouver at Hawksworth, and uh, his sister was with us, and she was she actually passed away which is a, a real bummer but she was this like really tall beautiful blonde girl with like she's wearing the shortest skirt i've ever seen in my life and owen wilson was literally having dinner wow a couple <laughs> no, no owen wilson's having dinner with these like two supermodels like four tables away from us and she like stumbles to the bathroom and she's pretty boiled and drunk and she like walks up to his table with these supermodels and she's like Oh my God, I love your movies. And I was just like, I was four tables away and my head was in my hand and I'm just like, holy fuck. Like she didn't do that. And, <laughs> and she was, she was there and she was, he, I don't think she could have named one of his movies, but she was just so stoked that he was a celebrity. And it, it's funny because I run into celebrities quite a bit in LA and you know, my kids are like starstruck and whatever. And I'm just like, you know, they're just people, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, well, good Bam, on you, Dennison, for getting a shot with Bam. Thanks, man. If, Bam, if you're <laughs> listening, I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah, he's probably listening. <laughs> you know, Bam is, uh, you know, he's really a product of these industries, you know, like that, 
you know, when, when, when I ran into him last, um, Zink's wedding, that was years ago now, but, um, he had just come from Burning Man. He was with his wife. I believe I read on TMZ or something. They just got divorced and she's cleaning him out. But, um, he had just came from Burning Man. So there was this Mustang outside with like three inches of dirt on it. And it all kind of came together, but he was writing his memoir at the time and, literally producing his own documentary which still hasn't come out but that film when it does come out is going to be an expose and really uh, like probably the hardest look into the world of action sports that anyone's ever seen so I, I look forward to that day I guess on that note can you let us in on what your film tomorrow is? Uh, I was going to say, it sounds about, yeah. a little similar. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a hard look into the sports industry. Yeah, I think Nothing's for Free has been fluffed out for the bike industry a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, it, it was harder hitting at times. I, I love being here with you guys to be able to talk about that because it's, it's no bullshit. But um, no, I, th I think the film Nothing's for Free, the history of free ride mountain biking is a 30-year snapshot of, of the sport of free riding. And, you know, it's through my eyes to some degree, but I really tried to pay homage to all the people that had made a difference and, you know, what we call today as uh, the change agents behind the industry. And, uh, yeah, hopefully did a good job of that. I can't wait. I can't wait to see. I, I had, a, there was a little spoiler. I know what kind of happens at the end. Uh, I, uh, yeah, someone in the room showed it to Jason and I could guess what it was. I guessed first try. Yeah, there you go. You well, spoiled it for yourself. Tell the fucking guy from Pink Bike something and the whole world knows. There you go. How did that happen? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it also it's not a shred it, right? Like it's not a neural disorder 11. It's more of a kind of in-depth look at these people's lives and how, I don't want to speak for you, but how the sport changed them, how the industry forced them to maybe change or exploited them in ways that made them change and the effects it had, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this whole scene was very blue collar and grassroots at one point or another and it's become a big business, commoditized and, um, it's yeah it's it, it's a business and i think this film goes a little bit behind the uh glam of it all and and brings a reality to it that's probably never been seen before um you know like <clears throat> the the idea of shreddits and nwd11 maybe that happens in the future but um yes, please. right now the you know, the film is, is really kind of my career passion project and, and um, yeah, I hope, it, I hope it opens a lot of people's eyes to the sacrifices and everything that's gone into creating the sport of free riding. Yeah, man. I, I want to kind of go back in time just a bit between Neural Disorders the series that ended in 20, 2009, 2010, kind yeah, of, yeah, for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then now there's a gap of, obviously you've done stuff in between where the trail ends and, and things like that. Like, what were you looking to work on after Neural Disorder and how did that kind of morph back into this Nothing's For Free? Well, you know, like, I left the mountain bike industry to some degree um, wanting to go out on top, not wanting to cheese out and just run the wheels off things like the industry does with so many of its 
cool properties, I would say. Um, so, you know, don't run the wheels off it, right? Yeah, uh, this raises a lot of questions, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're all thinking internally of our catalog, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just busting your um, <laughs> the uh <clears throat> No, for me, it was about, like, I just honestly, and we talk about it a little bit in the film, like, I just didn't know where to go. And what the sport had become, I felt, you know, and, and this is in the film as well, like I felt a little bit like Dr. Frankenstein because I had wanted all this stuff. I had pushed for it. I had pushed for the progression and the film lived for that. It, it, it just like, that's all I cared about for so long. Fucking crushing everybody mm -hmm. and do the raddest stuff and shock people and blow people away. And that's, that's what I lived for. That's like how I was wired. And after NWD 10, I was like, what do we do? Like, where do we go from here? And the right, the right thing was to pack it in and, and open up the doors for other people to do great shit. And like, you know, Brandon's a product of that. Um, having that vision and, and working on Rad Company with him a couple years later, it was like, it was sort of like a passing of the torch. It, it kind of felt like an NWD 11, much more hyper stylized, but it, that working with him that intimately on a project really opened my eyes to like, hey, this dude's the future. Mm -hmm. Stand, sit, sit back. Mm -hmm. Let this dude do what he's going to do. Let the world do what it's going to do with, you know, obviously the massive um, uh, emergence of, you know, viral video. Exactly. So then I guess. Like you did go, so you touched a little bit there into mountain bike filmmaking still, but you did do other commercials, camp campaigns yeah, for big I mean, companies. Yeah, I wanted to sort of grow up and be like, I always used to say I'd take one creative director over 10,000 mountain bike fans because I didn't want to be pigeonholed into like, if I could have monetized neural disorder and our world on the internet there are so many music licensing issues and just shit that people don't even think about but i did a super poor job of adapting to that world um yeah i could be retired instead of working for the next few years to pay for this mountain bike film right now but it, it literally was a you know, it was a changing of the guard. It was a changing of the generations and, and it was a real eye opening to me, but I wanted to go off and, and push the commercial side of free ride entertainment. And I didn't really so much care about the mountain biking industry. It's not that I didn't care. It's just that like we, we did that, right? Like, yeah. you know, we, we ruled that and it's time to move on. It's just like Brandon leaving competition and, and, you know, his primary focus being free ride mountain biking to go on and, and race rally and, and, and seek his uh, passions and dreams. That's that's what I wanted to do with the production company. So, yeah, we did some cool shit. We made a lot of great films uh, with Red Bull and surfing and motorcycle culture and all sorts of stuff. Um, a lot of commercials for big brand, you know, some of the biggest brands in the world. Um, it's cool. And, and that energy and ideology that we took from mountain biking free riding and action sports translated to what we did from a video standpoint in 
commercial production. That energy was always captured and it was very raw and real and people, people like that. That's not easy to do, but when you come from a fabric of mountain biking, action sports, that, that energy is almost easier to create and capture than it would be if you were some art student that went to film school. And when you say like that energy that you're creating, you mean like you got to film the new Samsung cell phone and it's like, how do we make this exciting? How do we like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's always about, I mean, content capture. Like you think about that word terminology right now and it's, you know, like obnoxious, but, um, through the lens of what you see when you're around action sports and like people at the absolute highest level of their sports that there's just a I don't know there's just an energy there's something that's encapsulated there that you don't get again walking out of film school there's just yeah it, it is that it is how do we make this rad whatever you're doing make it rad that's good inspiration how do you do you find yourself you know it's very different filming a a ad campaign commercial for like a car company or a cell phone company compared to free ride mountain biking where you're watching your friends huck themselves off cliffs do, how do you have that same sort of like excitement and passion towards something like that is it different are you just in it for the paycheck or is it like i want to develop creatively how, how do you have that same yeah, passion I, I think you know like developing creatively is is absolutely sort of at the heart of of it but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all of the above. It is for a paycheck. Like commercials aren't really that great. Nobody knows who makes them. Nobody cares. It's 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 a business, right? It's a great, really profitable and great business. If you're if you're hot, if you're not, it's you're just talking, right? So, even taking the time to make this film, I basically walked away from that whole industry walked out of the commercial business, shut the phone off, said, you know, unless it's something really amazing and can't turn it down, I'm, I, I need to dedicate to this. And that would, that's, that's hard too, because you know what? I'm gonna wake up on Saturday and I, I don't have a fucking job. <laughs> you know? You're gonna like, wake up at like noon, 1 p.m. Yeah, on no, Saturday. I'll be up earlier than that. But, uh, <laughs> today I could have slept till noon, no problem. <laughs> Yeah, but that, that's a good point, right? Like, you don't have a job, but you also now have, like, a film behind you that's a piece on the resume, that's a piece on the reel, and can maybe get you towards that next job. Yeah, I mean, that, that part I'm not worried about. Like, we're, we're always good um, in that sense. Free ride's always been good and sought after, and, and that that's not something I'm truly worried about, but... At the end of the day, that's a flavor du jour type business. And if you're not in it relevant in the last 12 months, then you're not in it and you aren't relevant. So I think that's the, I think that's the reality that I'm going to have to wake up to. Again, doing like bleeding for this film and, you know, taking myself mentally and physically to places that I'd honestly never been before. Um, I was, that was real. Like, you know, the, my story through it could have been right alongside everybody else's, but, you know, I chose to sort of take the path of, um, you know, that, that front row spectator as opposed to, you know, getting into my problems because they are many. <laughs> That's another film. 
Yeah, exactly. I feel like so much. <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, Jason's t- taking the wheel. I, I, had to, I had to clear my voice. No, it's good. Well, I feel like so much of this is relatable, don't you think, to us in our situation? That's why, yeah. That's what I was kind of furthering that conversation is like we also find ourselves torn between that like commercial side but passion side and the stuff we really want to make and and i was saying a couple days ago i I was talking about dirt diaries and how i've now done it three times we won it three times and people are still hitting me up hey let's do another one let's do hey will you do and like i want to retire from it but there's a part of me that wants to do it because it's fun and i never done it i've never been doing it for the money i've I've been doing it for the opportunity just to play something at a theater in front of people hear the great sound system all that like it's a creative desire for me so part of me wants to do it but then as you get older and you have the business it's like maybe not the best business decision and then also after winning one of the seasons like someone told me i'm shooting fish in a barrel and i need to move on and (laughs) i was like torn i was like okay well maybe I should get out of mountain biking. Maybe I need to move on and do the what next thing. I got. I got to move to LA. I got to. I got to do what Big D's doing. I got to go find out how to direct a multi-million-dollar car commercial or something. Well, you do, man, because you're skilled. You're fucking wicked at what you do, and this is a limited audience, and people appreciate it. I appreciate it, like big time. And I remember uh, the last Dirt Diaries that I did. Um, we ran into each other at the Barefoot Bistro. And hey, the Dirt Diaries, you get a uh, gift card for the Barefoot Bistro, which is pretty valuable in Whistler. Right. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I remember asking you what you're doing and what your plans were because, like, as a comedic director, you have chops, dude. And it's like, you should, you should take that. Uh, one of the comedy directors that I work with, Jamie Ting from uh, the U.S., is insane like I, I learned so much from him when he talks and his his uh candor about comedy fucking blows me away and it, it's so inspiring and like i love that i've always loved that about your guys's videos um the vision to uh, you know create something around the industry that's not the norm is like i appreciate that i think that's what sets you apart and, and truly why you've you've received the success and, and and deservingly so that you guys have got because you're you're standout. You're not doing exactly what every other person in the scene's doing. And that that's all I ever aspired to. Like I didn't uh, I wasn't doing it to get acceptance in the mountain bike industry. I was probably doing it for everything but yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's just hard for us to make the leap. It's like a scary leap. We know there's leaps we could take, but we want at the end of the day we want to do it all because we like make like our first passion is mountain biking, is riding bikes. And we have this channel where we document our own lives mountain biking and the adventures in which, you know, the bikes take us on. Yet we have the comedy side and every now and then we're getting hit up for a commercial, but we also want to make the movie. It's like we want to do everything and we when we feel like, well, it's a it's a push and a pull. You got to kind of turn the dial down one thing to pull, pull, turn the dial up on the other thing. Yeah, I told I, I mean, I get it. I know it. It's, uh, it's really what you want. And, and it, I think at that point that you feel like you've done everything you need to do in the mountain bike industry, you'll, you'll move on. Right. Like, yeah, even this film, like the ideas that we had, oh, Brandon's going to walk away like the man in black and Johnny Cash and fucking put down the bike and go ride or Zink's going to retire from Rampage or, or whatever, like all these ideas of like time and, and place. I think those things, 
you know, they, they sort of become your reality. And I think, you know, when you're ready, you'll do it, right? Like you're still killing it and making people laugh and, 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 and bringing a side to mountain biking that's desperately needed is, is like humanizing, humorous, everything in between. And I think that that's needed. So if you leave, then someone really does need to fill that in, that gap in somewhere. But it's also a, a, a personal challenge and goal to go out and show the world that you can take something that's relatively easy and in front of you and then push it to the next level. And I think that's when you're ready, you'll, you'll do that because you absolutely can. So what's the approach to gaining, uh, you know, a commercial opportunity, a huge opportunity? Cause I feel like we get, we get opportunities. Me on your podcast. <clears throat> we, we get, we get opportunities to, to make commercials, but you know, the ceiling there in terms of money, it's, you know, it's a hard ceiling <laughs> for bike commercials for bike commercials. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and but the, the thing that we're aware of is that we're so blessed to not necessarily have the client on set and we don't have video village and, and we're just, it's literally just us calling the shots and our, and you know, every time we come, we uh, come away from set, people are uh, giving us feedback. Oh, it was so much fun. That was much more fun than a regular commercial. It was so relaxed. It was so, f I just had a great time. <laughs> so it's like, we almost don't want to give that up because I assume the other direction you take is you, you, you go the agency route, you get 15 clients on set. They all want to, you know, they all want a piece of the logo needs to look like this. And yeah, that business, that, that part of the business sucks, but it's also like, you still like every shoot we do is a free ride shoot. We make sure it's fucking cool and fun mm -hmm. and like best people are on it. And you know, like your clients are having an experience like that's, that's part of it. That's what mm -hmm. we've always done. I mean, it started with Red Bull really like when, Red Bull moved to North America and then every opportunity that we've been blessed to have been given from them to work with so many incredible athletes, whatever shoot it was, no matter where it was on the planet, we tried to make it rad. Mm -hmm. and, and that's like, again, I guess the fabric of how free ride entertainment was built, but it's, that doesn't change. Like, of course it is a cold, super competitive grinder business at the end, but making bike commercials, like, you know what? You've, you've done it at the highest level, so there's really no challenge in it anymore. It's like Clay Porter, who's, to me, one of the absolute best directors, cinematographers, producer of my favorite mountain bike film almost ever, I guess, I, you know, like, three-minute gaps. Like, the the... You know, he, he can't do anything more with mountain biking. And it doesn't matter what he's shooting now. It's like, dude, you need, to, you need to take your craft and do it to the real world because you're good at what you do. So that's where I say that taking um, what you've created in mountain biking, taking it to the masses, A, it's really gonna help the fucking bottom line. And you could buy a couple more red cameras. Black cameras, whatever you got. Um, <laughs> there you go. Very nice. And, very and nice. the world deserves that. And you need to be challenged because you could do this shit blindfolded now. Like, really? Well, of course, with uh, good people behind me, of course. Not just, <laughs> not just myself. Yeah. A few other people blindfolded. I don't know. I guess, uh, yeah, I... I uh, 
the other thing is that we mostly just kind of get handed these opportunities. Like, do you want to do it? Yes or no? And I know that in the big time commercial world, you pitch for it and you're pitching against 10 other people, maybe more. I don't really, know. Really talented people too. Right? And there's a lot of heartbreak involved because people work for weeks, you know, working on pitches, thinking they're going to get it. Ultimately, they just have their hearts broken. Well, AI kind of will change that right now. Uh-huh. But I will tell you that, yeah, losing sucks, man. Mm. I, I fucking lose all the time. I lose jobs to, you know, guys that I help bring up. Um, and there's nothing that stings harder than that. And, but you know what I will say? It also really grounds you and pushes you. And I think, you know, it's like you can't really lose in the bike industry. I could never lose in the bike industry, but that's easy. So it's, really how um, how much you want to push yourself and for some people that 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 level is different and you know it's all in due time like at at some point you're going to get bored and then you're going to be like okay I need a new challenge and when that time hits that'll be the time you know you don't necessarily have to do it now because look we're sitting in a room with Soundboards and four dudes on the payroll, and uh, yeah, I know what that's like. And there's fucking, you know, two hundred grand in equipment here, right? So, like, I've I've had all that shit. I've had all the employees and the Cineflexes and the eighty thousand dollar drones and all that shit. And at some point, you're like, okay, what's all this worth? Like, what 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 am I doing to like earn this to make this like move forward? And and I guess it's all. You know, it's it's personal motivation, and and for me, I grew up with nothing. So to have all this shit, like I had it all, and now I don't have as much of it, and I actually feel better. Like I don't like the weight of it all, and you know, being a, a director, I've never been like some hungry look at me claiming, trying to talk shit all the time about what I've done. Like that's just not my style. I like. The, the, the proof's in the pudding. You're as good as your last job in that world. And so for me, I like to do rad shit that at least I can walk away with or walk away from proud and stoked on what I did. And the minute that you're not doing that, then for me personally, then I'm done. And that was like NWD and, and you know, like, of course, everybody's like, dude, make NWD 11. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I would love to do that. But when I sit back and think about it, like, I can't even leave the house without spending fucking 20 grand a day now. So, like, I don't, I, I it's not feasible. The mountain bike industry I'm will not pay for it. You know? I'm rich, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually poor as fuck. <laughs> this movie, dudes, uh, I put my whole life into. I put every cent I personally had in, and you know, super stoked for outside studios to come in and, and, and give me the creative freedom to get the film done. But, you know, I went all in because it's the story of your life. And, you know, what do you do? Where's the compromise? And, and, and I'm, I'm seriously going to work till I'm 80, maybe 90. That's awesome. I hope you do. <laughs> you <make> good shit. <laughs> That's yeah, right. I like the approach. Uh, Alonzo, maybe can you sell the uh, the reds tomorrow and then you're fired after that? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Alonzo, you're fired. I learned something today. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, honestly, like 
having a production company being, you know, kind of growing to be like one of the premium and big sought after brands in, in action sports, like, you know, it was sort of free ride entertainment and brain farm for a couple of years. Brain farm went bankrupt because, you know, Kurt didn't manage it properly, but he had the world by the balls for a bit. And, um, you know, that was this arms race of like, who can do bigger, better, you know, like, and, and all of a sudden one day I just, I kind of woke up to like so many things that were going on in the world, like life shit, you know, like we're just, you know, I, I don't want to ever say that I'm privileged because I came from absolutely nothing, but like we are privileged white kids that get to go out and fucking have fun and cruise all over the world with your buddies and, you know, hey, you know, like, I can tell you honestly that making um, the film North of Nightfall, it, it killed filmmaking for me. It, it made me so, um, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it was something that the second or, or the third edit we had, um, Jeremy Grant, uh, the director that worked on that, that was at Freeride for, you know, better part of two decades. The third edit, we had was so voyeuristic and, and kind of different. I was like, dude, this is going to change action sports. And by the time it pushed through all the corporate filters and all the realities of mm. what people were going to want, it had turned into something that, you know, to be truthful, I didn't want my name on anymore because it really? wasn't what I really wanted like I always loved bringing big mountain riding back into the sport of free riding but that was just gone too far like who the fuck is ever going to go ride 12 hours north of the north pole on an island that costs $750,000 to spend 30 days on it's just a, you know like it's it's like the Travis Rice mentality of like go bigger and spend more money than everybody and you're going to be successful like I just I all of a sudden woke up one day and I was like this fucking sucks like I just didn't want to be there and that killed it it, it killed my spirit for filmmaking for till now you know? really and then this movie will really kill it but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah I think another thing that we're always trying to serve is our audience and like the, the audience that we already have, the subscribers, and yet we want to dive in. We want to learn more about the commercial world. We want to dive into some large project on our own, but we feel like we got to turn the dial down on the on the fan service, on doing things for them. Because, you know, obviously you had a huge fan base with New World Disorder, but then getting into the commercial world, you're kind of leaving them behind because they don't care. They don't care about the commercial. Yeah. Like you said, there's no name on it. There's no, and that, Maybe that, there's a mountain biker in the commercial. Maybe they care a little bit, but... Well, the... the, the the, the ability for me to um, take care of my friends and integrate them into that world has been rad too. You know, I've I've been able to bring Bearclaw and Tom Van Steenbergen and all these dudes to make good money off commercials. And you can go do a commercial and make more money than you would for the whole year in the mountain bike industry. So there's something to be said about that. Um, you know, serving the fans for sure. Like. I made that sacrifice, right? Like free ride entertainment. I didn't like, I sacrificed the mountain bike community and, and you know, I could have as, as many fans or more than you guys or anybody else, but it almost like, for me, it was a little bit of a analog approach to life. Like I'm more of a 
vinyl and you know doobies and vinyl guy as opposed to um you know viral edits and and tiktok like i i'm much more comfortable there um the that old school mentality is not is is really not like a path for success like i lose tons of commercial jobs because i don't have instagram right i'm trying to get instagram I, i started one i told my son he can run it like, I don't, like, I don't care. I don't care what other people are doing. I care what I'm doing. I care about what's happening right now to people I care about. I don't care about what fucking Logan Paul's doing. I just don't care. So that's this weird sort of um, breakdown in, uh, I guess, being contemporary and it, it, it does cost you. And you guys came in at a really amazing time where you could build that following and create that. And that's what the world revolves around now. So of course you don't want to leave it, but if you, you know, true fans are always going to expect that you guys are going to pull out your next hit or, you know, humor them. But at the end of the day, is it like, what is it doing for you? And then, What's the substance? Like, are you, are you stoked? If you're stoked, then that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about what uh, everybody expects from you. It's that your, your own personal achievements and what you want to do. And, and again, that is a very, it's all about timing. And you guys had the timing to build this incredible following. You can kind of do what you want now. And if they don't want to follow you, well, fuck. I mean, you're going to be making more money making a commercial than you will getting paid from some bike brands. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's what you care. And if you really care about those fans, then you take care of them. And then they'll appreciate it. Yeah, it usually ends up being the thing that we're most passionate about. Ends up being the thing that the fan usually is also mm-hmm. passionate about. We're lucky in that way. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. And for me, like... You know, like, I loved skiing. I grew up, wanted to be a ski bum, so much influence from skiing, met all the big pro skiers and got to hang out with everybody, but I never wanted that to be my job. And I had, you know, some, uh, I would say, famous now filmmakers uh, working for me at the time that were really passionate about skiing and they wanted to make a ski movie. And I was like... I don't want to make a ski movie. A, I want to actually ski. And when you, you know, are so embedded in an industry, a lot of the times you're not enjoying it, you know? And it's what I tell a lot of people about riding bikes now is like, hey, you want your sponsorship and free shit and your, you know, uh, your fandom and and accolades and everything about who you are. But at one point, like, where does that cut off? Like, like, okay, you can be the gnarliest dude on the planet. If you're making $50,000 a year and you can go do that working at McDonald's and not end up in a wheelchair, then there's a fucking, there's some great, uh, great things to be said about that. And, um, riding bikes was always about having fun Hmm. and it became a business as 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 anything does and and you have to choose what you want your business to be and i think that's for you guys in due time to um 
figure out what feels right for your business is, is yeah, when it, when it happens, it happens and you'll know it. Do you remember the first time you picked up a camera and filmed mountain biking? Yeah, sort of. I mean, I only really uh, shot for a few years. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want anybody to ever think that Freeride Entertainment's built on my... Uh, cinematography. My cinematography, yeah. Because I, I had the privilege of working with incredible um, cinematographers and directors of photography and stuff over the years. So that that image was created by other people. I shot for a few years, learned how to spool a roll of uh, 16 mil film in a Bolex and shoot a wide angle. That was pretty easy. You know, it's hard to get a bad shot on a five, nine underneath the jump. But, um, the, uh, the reality was that even as a bike rider, when I was trying to be a half house pro free rider before that was even a term, I knew I was never as good as Wade Simmons. So I might as well figure out how to stay in that business and, 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 you know, push my my career forward. But the idea that, you know, picking up a camera came very organically through opportunities I had because straight out of high school, I knew that I wanted to be in the scene. I did movie tours, did ski movie tours, and then started making mountain bike guides, um, like books like that I'd go sell advertising to. and made like the first Whistler trail guide book and, and, and Kamloops and all these big mountain bike hubs back in the early nineties, um, mid nineties. That's what I was doing to try to like stay in the scene and, and like build something. And it all just sort of transpired from there that the films and, and obviously those were the golden years of, of action sport filmmaking. So that, I was sort of there, like I, it, it was all open to me. And I think maybe the first time I was ever handed a camera, I was probably standing on somebody else's film set and they just handed me a camera and said, point this. It's like Brett Tippy at the job drop. <laughs> he's, he's been there twice with his camera. This year we gave him a red camera and said, point it at. No way. Gaga. <laughs> Uh, oh, actually, no, that's, that's bullshit. He, he shot one of John Gibson's still cameras. Ooh, very cool. I, 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 so you say you're part of the scene. That means here in BC, in big free ride meccas, Kamloops, Whistler, all that. How did, like, how did you get in? How did you end up making a movie? How did Neural Disorder 1 happen? And also, did you go to film school? No. Okay. Fuck, dude. The only <laughs> school I ever went to was the school of hard knocks. Um, no, I, I was working with Bjorn and Christian when they were making Cranked, and then I was obviously a rider and, and um, Pulp Traction, the sort of uh, underground, one of the first underground mountain bike films that was made by Greg Stump, which uh, a lot of this comes out in Nothing's For Free, sort of the real story behind how all that happened. But um, I was trying to be a rider. I wanted the free Oakley sunglasses and free bikes, um, more than anything and again when I realized that I wasn't really talented enough to really be at that level then I went what the fuck am I going to do and so I actually ended up putting it out there to some good buddies and my friend Jeff Lawrence who owns uh, I think the Pemberton Brewery now or something like that he uh you know, I had some cash lying around and he put in 40,000 bucks, I think. And we bought a 
Olex off my landlord, who was a Greenpeace warrior, he used to jump on the whaling ships and fuck people up. And uh, he sold us this Bolex EBM camera that had saltwater damage and every two Look film shoots it would fuck up and we wouldn't be able to like get our film. And we, uh, that's how it all started. And then we, you know, started this, the first new world disorder was actually called premillennial tension because there was all this like <laughs> world's going to end on the year 2000. And, um, Anyway, just like Cranked was Wheels of Freedom, we, uh, and ended up Cranked, we had this premillennial tension film that ended up as New World Disorder. And uh, it was all just, all just happened. Premillennial tension film. I'm glad uh, you guys went with New World Disorder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even that was kind of cheesy in its own right. But um, yeah, I think... It was the timing, right? Like it was the timing. Freeride was turning mountain the mountain bike industry on its head, so that mm -hmm. was fitting. And yeah, the rest is history, I suppose. All right. So uh, we're looking at the Bolex H16 EBM electric camera, forty grand. Now, does this thing shoot vertical? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turn it sideways. Okay. Yeah, you all see right. all those turrets there? That's like uh, you can just flip that around and put three different lenses in it. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm that interested. thing was a fucking roach, man. That cost <laughs> us so much money. We'd set our film in it; it'll come back blown. And we're like, oh, oh shit! You got to go back to a film shoot. Like, like, no way. The day the 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 red digital cameras came in was a sad but mm. um, sweet day. Did you shoot on the uh, red one? Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, we were one of the first. Like, we had actually a pretty early numeral in in the red ones, and uh, that changed. <laughs> like, that changed it. <laughs> You know? No, not Red One hair wax, Alonzo. <laughs> we want Red One cinema camera. Best Alonzo in the game, folks. Yeah, there it is. Look at that Look beast. At that thing. It looks like a handy cam. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you know what? That that revolutionized things. I remember Brad McGregor, who's you know truly one of the better uh, cameramen that ever came from mountain biking. Mm. He uh, he was shooting with Vories and Squamish, and they were trying to do this thing where he like. I don't know, manualed and, and then rode backwards and then jumped into this trail and it, it was an like elliptical bike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a, it was like a skateboarding type thing that took so many tries. Like, I think it was like 50 times before they actually nailed it. Sorry, Boris. I think it was 50. <laughs> but, <laughs> Sounds uh, accurate. Yeah. But then they got it and that was the revolution that's the minute we mm. knew that we could never afford to do that on film oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and right. that's the rad thing about where mountain biking's got to because danny mccaskill and brian Semenuk look like they grease everything every time but the reality <laughs> is it may take a time or two yeah and sometimes even the cameramen screw up and uh no, we get no, them in no, the no. never <laughs> it's always first try never hey alonzo can you pull up new world disorder i just want to see like the t the cover of the tapes here Let's uh let's educate Dave here. Yeah. Dave. Dave was uh, not here. What it, like what would you Matt, what would you like relate this to like uh Dude. in terms of like a series of like a Star well, Wars? Well there is like, uh oh. New World Disorder is also a um Pantera is it a Pantera track? Or oh. an album? No. Uh some like heavy duty metal band has a, a, an album i think new world disorder so that might be in there also in my research there was um what looks like a bad movie 
with the same name. Oh, there so you, you go. Look up there at the top sort of left of your screen, the blue. Uh, oh, yeah. Is yeah, it yeah. Rutger Hauer? That's Rutger Hauer, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Can you, you imagine go. some mountain bike kid goes to their store to rent new disorder and they get this? It has to have happened at least once. <laughs> like, the best mountain bike film ever. Yeah, Where's the bikes? It. I know. That's how I feel. If I can go into the premiere tomorrow night, give me a pistol and uh, paint me blue. <laughs> Oh my God! I, I don't know what I would compare it to, Jason. I, I I'm having a hard time even comparing it. It was just like, it's, as far as a series go, I don't know. This was the only thing I actually followed. Yeah, I re- <laughs> I just remember it was a once a year thing. Yeah, and and I knew all year you guys were out there filming the stuff, and you don't. It was pre you know YouTube and social media, so you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know what bangers were in there, and you'd go to some bike shop when it came out, and you mm-hmm. buy it, you run home and watch it. And it's like. Just this mind-blowing hour of your life. Yeah, and those were rad times. I mean, it was super cool to be able to actually do that and live by that. Like, that was rad. Like, and that's sort of lost these days. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I I hope that we kept some of that... Ah, approach in this new film you know like I don't see going back and making New World 11 to 20 anytime soon but like the idea that that meant so much to people and and you know the the sort of uh, analogy of the funeral in NWD 10 like that's that's how it felt and I knew I, I like there was a lot of people like my dear dear friends lives were affected by quitting you know like Mm -hmm. these are like the people we built this with and then all of a sudden like they didn't have an outlet and it took people like brandon to have the vision to be able to take it forward but like the reality is is that i knew i was going to let people down but i also had to stay true to myself and like wanting to be on top and i didn't want to depreciate something that meant something to so many people and you know I watch my friends, you know, that have made ski movies for 25 years. They're making ski movies for a fraction of the money they used to make them with. And it's fucking sad. Like, Mm -hmm. it's rad that they're still doing it. But also, like, to go from where we were at the height of, of free riding to having to fight for every penny and to convince people what you're doing is important, that fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. And even with this film, like there were believers in this film that supported it, supported their athletes, supported the project. But going around in the mountain bike industry with your hand out to try to get sponsorship, it's it's actually fucking insulting. And and it's insulting of, of what the value the bike industry has put on this stuff. Because when you're risking your life and you're doing this, you deserve to be paid. Amen. And, and, sure. and, and that has been lost because it has become a number. It's yeah. become part of something that we can't control, the algorithm of life. And that's the fucked up part. And if, if this movie opens the eyes of one brand where they take one of their athletes and take care of them for one more day, then we won. For sure. For sure. I, ha- I have a lighter uh, a story <laughs> to, uh, to share from my childhood. My fondest memory of watching a dual New World Disorder. I think it was New World Disorder seven? Which was there that? There it is, that Flying right? High Again. Flying High Again. Yeah, I think it was Flying High Again. We watched it in the Air Dome here 
which if anybody knows would know what the Aerodome was, it was just like a tent, like a facility. I don't know, maybe some like canvas kind of building. I don't know how to describe it. Anyways, it was it had an Aerodome or a uh, foam pit in it, and uh, we sat in the foam pit, and they pulled down a projector, and we watched the whole film i was with in the foam pit with my dad and like <laughs> three other dozen people just sitting in the foam pit watching this i was like 12 years old or something and that's, uh, that's my story look at, look at that tribal <laughs> free ride logo that thing's real <laughs> that my... uh, that's a sign of the rap metal times right there boys no um, kidding now i love this artwork who who worked on all of these covers scott dixon who amazing. is truly one of the gifted artists he does almost all of fast houses designs now scott dixon did all 10 covers and uh yeah he's a amazing amazing dude used to live in the back of our office he had a desk in a room and he lived there for free free ride all the way um and he made these covers once a year and they were always like a collab vision and he did our early clothing and like he's just a a rad dude and and just adapted this like sort of moto style to his work i love this style of artwork i think it influenced a lot of our stuff because i really like this like super busy kind of chaotic it's got a little bit of everything and you just want to look at it for 30 minutes and find all the details lots of little details embrace yeah. the chaos yeah, absolutely that, love that. that yeah that's uh that's really what it was like there was all these these subliminal little things in these covers that you actually had to look at for 30 minutes before you'd actually see them or be able to pick them out now it's rad because not that many people do take the time but you know the people that did got rewarded and yeah one time I, I met a dude who had the whole fucking new world disorder one cover tattooed on his back no way what? and it was so realistic it was rad i think i had this poster on my wall actually above my bed pillow side <laughs> I, I mean there was a few no no, no pam anderson Baywatch for <laughs> matt dennison i had uh <laughs> i had one girl on a poster that my brother gave to me but other than that yeah it was a whole lot of bikes <laughs> whole lot of dudes <laughs> who was it. hanging beside your bed when you're a kid oh the dallas cowboy cheerleaders oh, man. Uh, maybe like a acdc poster or something you know rock on man i'm so not cool <laughs> Who's creating stuff now that you actually watch in the mountain bike world? Uh, you guys? I knew it. <laughs> just, just stroking you like nobody's yeah, business. Yeah, I think you're getting stroked hard right now. Um, Brandon, obviously. Um, you know, I love Fabio and Vilmer's takes on, uh, or sorry, I was going to say Fabio and Danny, but uh, Fabio obviously took an opportunity with just doing everything that was obvious, but making it fucking cool. And making fun. a spectacle of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that, that those whole three people or four people. Um, Good choices. I mean, you know, honestly, I, I, I watch some videos once in a while. Like, um, I don't have social media I, I pretty much avoid it like the plague so i'm not like inundated through the making of this movie i never watched a new world disorder or any old mountain bike films which which actually probably hurt the project a little bit to some degree but it's it's like mental block and quite honestly i don't like 
I don't get inspired. And, mm. you know, even through the years and why I have so much respect and, and keep stroking you guys is because when I went to those dirt diaries and was the head judge and had to sit there and like watch this shit, it was the only thing that entertained me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, hey, if we did anything, it was supposed to make the sport rad and, yep. and make people pay attention. And when I wasn't doing that, I looked to the other people that were doing that. And that's where my fandom comes from uh, um, to you guys that I know when you guys drop an edit, that's going to put a smile on my face. And when I watch every home slice blasting a berm in slow motion on pink bike, that doesn't do shit for me. And to me, it's like, you know, you say that like, or there's this age old thing that like every note, lyrical note and musical note has been written before. Like the day someone does something in mountain biking, that's rad that we didn't do 20 years ago, then I'll pay attention. But like right now, like I only see that from a few people and those people are the visionaries of this business. It's not like the, the, the masses, you know? And, and I love watching talented people ride bikes, but there's only so much you can do with it. Everybody's got the same toolkit now. Every DIY filmmaker with their fucking red camera and drone and can color and edit and, you know, do the same thing. The tools are all there. So it's really hard to separate yourself and it's really hard to separate a style. And that's why I, I am so appreciative of, of you guys because you adopted something and made it yours and owned it and and bled it and lived by it, which is rad. That's 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 what's cool. Yeah, thanks, man. That's awesome. I feel like our goal is to try and like broaden our audience as much as possible. Like still bring in our like mountain bike side of things so like the bikers can tell mountain biker made this. But then you know, we want like your mom to laugh, your aunt to laugh, your uncle. We want it you want we want it to be shared around to anybody. So that's kinda like the spin that we're taking on. And also at a certain point, like we were making the shreddits. We were doing that. That was like where it all started. But then I think, yeah. at least for me personally, it was like, all right, there's a lot of people who are much better than me at this. I'll just yeah. let them get better and I'll develop my own thing, which is like, you know, maybe writing stuff. Yeah, and and I fully believe that if you really want that to happen, when you take that outside of mountain biking, that's when it really happens. Mm. But I mean, who's trying to go up against Clay Porter and Aaron LaRock for fucking cinematography yeah. and, and, and <laughs> yeah. filmmaking and, exactly. and mountain biking? Like, I, I, you know, like those dudes are where they're at. They're, they've, they've worked at it. They've become masters of the craft. And, and that's, that's rad. Um, you guys have mastered your craft. So if you want everybody in Canada or around the world to laugh that aren't mountain bikers, it will be a Huggies commercial or, or, or Toyota or whoever, whoever it is. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, that is the next step. And guaranteed, in a few years, at whatever, wherever that intersection is, you'll feel the need to do that because you have the ability to do it and, and more people deserve to see it, which will also be a great day because the talent that was maybe spawned from the mountain bike industry then gets to go to the world. And that's like what we did as Freeride Entertainment. Like we were able to encapsulate what we were doing in mountain biking and bring that energy to other places. And, sure. and 
you will 100% do that someday. Jason, you got to stroke him back. I shared my fondest uh, New World Disorder story. <laughs> I stroked him earlier. <laughs> stroke him now. I'm, I'm it's the stroking. Just like, yeah. We're, yeah, we're just trying to feed off each other in the yeah, building. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're feeding off each other. <laughs> feeding off each other. Can you name where that's from? That's feeding him. off each other. No. The competition. That's so, from a, yeah, yeah. an Ant Hill movie. Oh. Matt Hunter. Matt Hunter. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Oh wait, hold I, on. I I think I have, oh, you have one a, do you have from an NWD. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. We definitely, definitely fed off each other. <laughs> oh yeah. There you go. Do you know that? Can you name the film? Nope. It was the greatest hits. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, Super uh, sober interview. I was a bit of a drunk fat guy back then. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, interesting because you know, Mount Lake, like when we stopped there was like this this insatiable appetite so it's like go make the best of because we got nothing to sell this year and we're like oh fuck okay and and so we did it but um i don't know if it's my proudest moment i mean it was rad to put all wayne goss's best shots in one segment i'll tell you that was what was rad um about that film but yeah i mean the whole kind of I love bikes and we, you know, like that, that seems sort of old to me too, you know, like it can only be told so many ways and, and, uh, feeding off each other's, you know, it's like progression. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a fun new world disorder viewing experience? I have a lot did of you, fun. Did you, new world disorder th viewing name one. Well, I, I, I was blacked out uh, <laughs> in Vegas. My, no, they were red cameras. <laughs> That's how fun I, I was. How fun out. I was having. I was young. Um, <laughs> no, I was. I was telling Derek earlier. My first mountain bike oh. movie was Neural Disorder Six, okay. and I was ten, eleven years old, and I illegally torrented it. I'm sorry, and. <laughs> um, I downloaded it, and because I think a few kids in my school were mountain biking, and they're like, "You gotta watch this movie." I was like, "Okay, I watched it," and I was telling them I watched Darren Bearclaw's segment with the Megadeth, dun, 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 dun. and immediately after watching that segment, I was like, "I have to go buy a nice mountain bike, and I have to get into this sport." Wow! And like, literally, made me go. You invented Jason Lucas. Yeah. If I <laughs> yeah. No. If I now seen that movie. I'm really retiring. <laughs> <laughs> now he's fully stroked, folks. Fully. fully Stroked. No, I fully attribute <laughs> that movie for like my passion of mountain biking and getting into it. And I loved because there was sketch elements in that movie as mm -hmm. well. And there was a sketch elements in a lot of New World Disorders. Yeah. Like running from the cops yeah. and they're like changing their outfits. That's burned into my memory. <laughs> I think it was Unchained where uh, someone's running from the cops and they jump off a cliff and then the bike falls and they pull the parachute and yeah, they survive. Yeah, that's the claw. Yeah, yeah. And it's the claw. And, and I, I was Carlin Dunn. Rest in peace, man. That dude was rad. Absolutely. And, uh, Carlin, Holy Diver was his Yeah, song yeah. And, and, and you know, you know, it's funny. There's Zinc. Zinc was so fucking mad that Carlin Dunn got Holy Diver. No and way. it became like this thing where it was almost a rift for a little bit because Zink, Zink used to diss Carlin, but then Zink, as he grew, grew older and became the man he is today, really grew up and started paying attention. But, you know, Carlin was a fucking gnarly guy, man. Like that dude soloed the Baja 1001. And like, he was an incredible incredible dude but he was never accepted by the mountain bike industry people just dissed him and and 
it, it, yeah, it's funny just looking at this because I, again, I just don't ever look at this anymore. Mm. And of course, you know, thinking about it and sort of rewinding, that's, that's my takeaway. Um, that's so funny that people, you know, this changed your life. For me, I still remember being at Crankworx here and Zinc fucking ranting and raving about how Carlin didn't deserve Holy Diver. <laughs> What do you mean? Because it's such a sick song or something? Yeah, it's Ronnie James Dio. It's Holy Diver. It's a sick song. And, 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 you know, Zinc, you know, it took Zinc a few years to actually put together a real mountain bike segment because he would always get hurt, you know, and um, it was a labor of love trying to work with him and Straight back then because they were torn, obviously, in a million different directions. But then Zinc had so much insane talent, but he'd always get hurt. So you would get out of the gates every year to make his badass segment that he was going to crush everybody and then he'd get hurt. And so it was like a bit of a Groundhog Day situation. And um, yeah, I remember how passionate he was. It was like Holy Diver. That was like the, the Holy Grail. So yeah, funny shit. Man, that's crazy. Did you, you find yourself having to play like director of film slash like I don't know, moderator for all these uh, big personalities and how do you, uh, how do you deal with yeah. those guys? They're gnarly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, uh, that's tough. I mean, I, I honestly think it's a little bit, it's a bit of an old guard thing, you know, like I think it was harder sort of managing the OGs on this film project than it was people like, you know, Brandon or Braga, um, I think it's a, a bit of a different sort of breed because, you know, the old guard know this is their one chance to have this story told um, where, you know, those other guys are still telling their stories. So I think it's a little bit different. And that's also a place of confidence, you know, where you're, you're confident in what you're doing. And, you know, Braga didn't want to do the Pink Bike podcast today because he had his own inhibitions about it. And it's like, hey, man, cool. Mm-hmm. If I was you managing my career, I'm all for that. Like, if you don't want to do a podcast on Pink Bike, then if you feel better about your franchise because of that, then fuck yeah, just do it. And that's, I, I've always been like, you know, writing my own ticket and wanting to, for others to do that. So I respect it. Um, with this, film managing egos yeah it's been it hasn't been easy but the biggest ego that i had to manage was my own yeah and i didn't do a good job of that <laughs> the, the riders are easy um the amount that i bled for it personally on the other side was probably not what many humans would do you know like there is a point and i think i took it probably too far so it's it's just a matter of recovering and mentally sort of like uh yeah rehabilitating from it a little bit i feel like it's like a little bit of a life betty ford trip after this just to like recover from from the immense amount of of brain you know just yeah just mental dedication and and shit to it for sure decompress 
Yeah, where's this dog coming from? Yeah, I don't know. Ava, uh, here at the Ava, dog friendly. Dog friendly. <laughs> What's what are you gonna go do, Dave? Dave's leaving to go. Dave's gonna go choke out a dog in the hallway. <laughs> Shut up, you fucking Jack Russell Terrier. We're he making might not a podcast. Be a biker, but he can knock out a dog pretty quick. There He's gonna come go. back with us clothing all tattered and chewed up. I think, <laughs> the, I think the dog in the background's all right. <laughs> all my dogs. All my dogs. Um, yeah. I, I I thought. What do we have? We got like 15 minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, I'm guessing there's a clip, something that we can watch, like an old New World Disorder like intro or something. What, how do you feel about the old, old films just being on YouTube now? Well, so I just launched Freerider TV, which you can now buy or join one time only, not a yearly subscription base, but you can get all the New Worlds um, in proper quality. Oh, um, that's fun. And join and get a bunch of never seen before content and um, behind the scenes and and sort of a look into that uh, whole I guess franchise uh, that people have never been able to get before. So we just relaunched that inspired by all the fans and yeah, we're charging for it, but it's really so that we can continue to make cool shit um, based around the ideology of, of new world and, and, and free ride and, and what we did in that world. Um, is that Robbie Borden with 14,000 views? Look at that. <laughs> uh, I wanted to, it, I think it's up here. The jail, like the jail break. See, oh, I don't know right. if that. Oh, this is probably problematic because we're gonna get five. Yeah, that was I five. Do, I do know that. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get shut down by ACDC. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No sound on this. Maybe, but like I said, this thing is burned into <laughs> oh, my mind. Dude. Like I, I'm always revisiting this when I think of. I don't know. No sound, Alonzo. <laughs> oh, 54 minutes. Oh, yeah, we got time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, just just cut this in there. Just yeah, a little bit back. Yeah, there. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. Okay, play a little bit of music for this. Just a little bit. We can cut it later. Oh, yeah, that's Jailbreak. true. Just Wait, are you guys not running it? Well. There's Dickie Cox. Yeah, this is what I love It's my boys in uh, BCDC. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. They, they, no way. They, they re-recorded this for us. Oh, this is not. No. Oh, okay. This is BCDC, and they showed up in the van. They played our show, oh, and then they're playing. The Look at that guitar. How? Where did she... Marzoki guitar, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god, that is epic. Fuck, I forgot all about that. Where is that guitar? Who has that? Cool shit back then. Is that probably like in the Mountain Bike Hall of Fame or something now? Yeah, probably Bryson Martin's got it. This is in Pemberton, I'm guessing. That's Looks so like rad. I forgot. Yeah, this is on a farm in Pemberton. Yeah, I went to a Pemberton music festival once here. <laughs> <laughs> There's Mikey Maggot, man. That guy plays in DOA. And Patty Duddy, those guys are the drummer and guitarist at, uh, in DOA with Joey Shidakiri nowadays, which is rad. That one. one of the OG Vancouver punk bands. This is this like, is just the best. Oh look yeah, the light that boys. <laughs> is this the collective or what? It was it's the fucking golden hour. Firing, firing. It's so good. There's Who's Lunch, this? Lunchbox Larry. He'll be here tomorrow. Oh, this is in Nelson with CG and Lisa Lefroy. Oh, his boat we had. There's our buddy Cam. This is rad. I haven't watched this since the day it came out, boys. <laughs> Isn't it nice to revisit when you've taken a while and you're like, hey, you know what? I did, I did all right. And then the MOP comes oh, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legendary, man. Oh, my God. 
Like, this is the type of Look movie. Look at LaFroy. She's a bit of a smoke show back then. There's the dirty Sanchez. The type of movie you immediately have to go and da- download the soundtrack, find the song, yes, and then listen exactly. to it in the hallways of high school for oh, three months. Man. man. I made an edit with this song after. I know. I remember. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I remember. <laughs> Thief. <laughs> and I paid nothing for it. And now it's gone forever. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, do you? Uh, so rad. Oh man, I don't. I don't know if you can. Uh, it's a big question, but do you have a a pick for like the top kind of? I, I consider that like a sketch moment, mm-hmm. like the the breakout. Mm-hmm. Do you have something other than the riding that was your favorite thing to film in the New World Disorder series? Well, <laughs> jokingly, the best deal I ever got in my entire professional career was renting the number five orange strip club in Vancouver from the Hells Angels. And pull that out. we, yeah, Hells Angels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just pull up number five orange strip and club. Careful. <laughs> so check this out, dudes. It's like my Kerry Boxer, he used to run my company, uh, died in a ski accident many, many years ago, but his brother, Stefan, worked at Panavision. So he got us a 35 mil airy and we got a bunch of free film and we shot the intro to NWD three at the number five. And when I say this was the best deal, we got the entire place with the strippers. Now you're talking. Free booze. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. And close the place God. down from 11 a.m. to 2 in the morning for 8500 bucks. Oh, my God. And I, to this day, I'm like, 8500 bucks with the strippers? It, it, was, <laughs> it was insane. But then, at, like, I told them, and I warned them, and I called them, like, three times. I'm like, look, like, this, this fucking crew will drink you out of house and home and drink you out of the Lower East Side and oh, blah, blah, here blah. here we go. And, and the guy just kept saying, it's cool, it's cool. <laughs> and then at 2 in the morning, I literally... Oh, no, this is the tattoo shop. I don't know if this <laughs> is the one. But literally at 2 in the morning, like, or 1, 1 a.m., the boss from the number 5 calls me upstairs. And he's like literally like got his arms crossed and i know that you know this is a real place the bikers fucking own it and like you don't you don't fuck with these guys and he came in he's like you guys are done and i'm like you said till two in the morning and i i started to argue for like a hot second and i just realized like what am i doing but then he just started showing me the cameras of all the crazy shit that was going on in this venue he's like look what's happening in this room. Look what's happening there. And I was like, yeah, none of it was legal or, 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 or cool at that point. And I was kind of like, hey, I guess we'll leave. Because, uh, yeah, but I, that's, that's truly my fondest memory from it all. And, that, and, and actually, Watson jumped the Tour de France on the same day that we were shooting the intro of... I, I, that was actually New World 4, um, that ride the oh, lane. Yeah. I okay. think that's that's what that was. Um, but yeah, that was the best deal still to this day. Best deal in my career, and um, it's it was rad. Um, 
you know, the people that supported us back then, Kona and Marzocchi and, and, and Fox and everybody, it was rad to be able to, like, take your clients and put them in the film. Like, it was cool. You know, they're like, <laughs> our buddy Seb from Oakley's front row at the gyno row at the five. And then the you know, like, they'd, all, they'd, <laughs> they'd all have their, like, cameos in the film. And th that's the best way to get money out of people is make them stars. You know, Ooh, so. hot tip. Yeah, that's hot a good tip. one. Yeah. So when uh, did this shooting stop? <laughs> <laughs> this shooting? Yeah. You uh, said 2 a.m. Were you shooting throughout till 2 a.m.? Someone was operating a camera? Yeah, we had all these shots to do. 35 mil film. Like, oh, yeah. so expensive. Oh, yes, I don't yeah. know how yes, we yes, even yes. Afford, afforded to transfer the shit. But yeah, there's Chris Tutton. He was... Uh, Okay, so this is New World Disorder 4, and you are filming in the number five orange. You've rented it for 8500 bucks, strippers included, from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. Yeah, there you go. Rented it from the Hells Angels. <laughs> hey, shh. Tur turn the music up a little bit. <laughs> How do you, what, like, what do you do? You walk in there and you're like, uh, hey guys, um, you hand them a business card? Yeah. Or you come yeah. up with a briefcase full of money? Yeah, a little of both. Okay. There's Chris Gagan, looking like a G. Look, look at that goatee. I love it. Man. That was about to ride. So that was, you know, taking a page out of your book, we did the same thing a couple times. And uh, we actually awesome. had BCDC play two ripped off covers of, of ACDC. This was for those about to ride, and then we did Jailbreak. Ah. Uh, I love the integration of the logos here. It's awesome. Uh, who, like, Who's in charge of the lighting? Like all that, you guys had like gaffers out. Is that a whole team? Like, what does the crew Actually, look like here? Actually, that shoot, we didn't really have a lot of. Uh, there's Jacob Helbron, the owner of Kona. Because it looks uh, pretty good. Yeah, but actually, we didn't have a big ass grip and lighting crew there. That was, mm. I think a lot of it was more natural light back then. And because of all the cool neon light and the light in the place, that it shot really well. But um, definitely didn't didn't have the money. And when you guys are shooting this, do you have a storyboard? Are you kind of making it up as nah. you go? Dude. Yeah. There's Larry going to do blow in the bathroom. Oh, and then there's Cedric already doing Oh, hey, <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's too good. Oh man, the, uh, so I, bad, so wherever, bad. Wherever we would never get away with this today, boys. <laughs> you can't make this like we would brand. be canceled, so canceled. Like yeah, it would actually be. Richie we're allowed to react to this now. I think though. Yeah, but yeah. you know what, man? This is fun, and it's like you can't be a comedian anymore. You can't have a laugh. You can't do anything. Like we live in this like <laughs> fucked up sort of culture of political correctness, and and like. So when you do something like this in New World Disorder 4, when, you, when you're done and you're getting on uh, producing number five, it must be so easy to get athletes on board. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Are you guys doing the same old intro this time? <laughs> <laughs> same I think, thing? I think the fun thing was is that look at how much hair Greg Strokes had back then. This is epic. I haven't seen this guy since, since literally the premiere. Wow. This is cool. Man, as a kid, I feel like I was just like, skip to the riding. <laughs> yeah, but now, now I don't even want to, I mean, we've seen everybody ride. Yeah, There's yeah, yeah. Minar. Minar was in The it? goat oh is in God. there. What is he doing there? He's, what it, oh, he's, he's doing a beer a bong and there's oh. Petey. <laughs> and you had them all in the number five orange, yeah. all in the same place. 
Does that even happen anymore? This is you like that many athletes and faces. This is like uh, like a Guy Ritchie film right now. I'm <laughs> yeah. loving this. Oh my oh, god! Joe Schwartz. Joe Schwartz. Wow. Yeah. Then he gets oh, dragged up to the stripper room. Oh, smoking room. So ben and Josh Bender, this was probably his last time in Canada. There he is. He never left that. He smoked joints in that room all day. He never left that room. And you only know this because you were with him? No, no. I saw it on the cameras. <laughs> like in Vanderham. Oh, this is oh rad. My That's God. Vanderham? Yeah, look oh at that. Oh, my God. I couldn't. I wouldn't even recognize him. I know. Wow, he's so much hair. He almost so, has the... He's uh, so unserious. If yeah. he shaved his sides, he would have the broccoli haircut. Yeah. He'd be a zoomer. There you go. Yeah, this chick didn't look like she was into it at that point, but. So I, I, I love that you just don't have storyboards. You laugh at the idea of storyboards because that's like us too sometimes. You know, ah, let's just go in there, and figure it out. Oh, uh, <laughs> when you when you know what you're doing. I mean, you know, storyboards like you. I don't love that about the commercial business. Is everything has to be exactly like there's no improvisation yeah. and there's no like. Um, I remember one of the first car commercials I got, I was on the uh, the phone with the creative directors and everybody, and I was like riffing on all these things we could do. And the guy like literally like halted the phone call and was like, I just need a level set here. And, and fucking shut everybody up, the executive creative director. And he's like, have you even looked at the storyboard? And I was like, yeah, and, <laughs> but I want to do this. And he was like, no, you're doing this. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay, that's how it works. Right. So, yeah, it was eye-opening, but cool. Yeah, yeah, I feel like once you show a storyboard to a client, you're pretty, like, stuck to, like, hey, wait, wait a second, what we're doing right now doesn't match the storyboard. But, uh, mm. yeah, when you can get away with no storyboards, that's the best. Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. make it up. Well, I, lo I love having a balance of improvisation on set. You know sure. what's crazy is I did the opening scene storyboard of Danny McCaskill um, on the Scottish coast for Nothing's for Free, and I, I presented it to him um, seven years ago in a hotel in San Francisco, and we were this close seven years later to having it almost exactly how the original vision was, and then... Um, it kind of fell apart, so we had to improv that a little bit, but... Um, regardless like you know it's great to have something that is your north star and your vision that you can um you know sort of just aspire to get to so i think that's what a storyboard does but yeah when you're with a bunch of drunk mountain bikers at a strip club that's <laughs> all kind of goes out the door yeah no kidding uh, should, should one we, more question okay, before okay, okay. before uh i want to get back to film school I, I, i've been asked that question so many times i'm curious your take is film school film school worth it Absolutely. I mean, I think like understanding the fundamentals and storytelling and all that kind of stuff. Great. I, I think you can do it both ways, but um, artistically, I think people excel when they learn, um, you know, the foundation of any craft. So I think there's some things to be learned from it. Uh, I've, I've you know, saw a lot of people that went to film school that aren't great at what they do either. So I guess it's 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 a fine line because so many people just self-achieve, and I think that's totally possible. I think the reality is, though, that if you can learn the the fundamentals and and sort of the craft, I think you're going to be better at what you do in the long term. 
Yeah, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah. Dave, what do you think? Film school? I don't know. Dave, Dave, should I go to Instagram? <laughs> that's a good. That's that's a definite if yes. If your kid uh, runs it, yeah. Yeah, that yes, absolutely. <laughs> He's privileged and lazy. He isn't going to do shit. I ask him a hundred times. He actually waits for me, but that never happen. I don't know about the film school thing. I think like uh, if you're really motivated, you could structure your own homeschooling by yourself on YouTube and oh, look yeah. up all the fundamentals, and you could figure it out. But like, there's something about like meeting connections and stuff. But I went to a film school where I had like four people in my class, and I went for four months, and that was it. So. But I guess I still hold on to some of those fundamentals that you, that you, you, yeah, you I refer mean, to. I, I think, like, you know, I, I was saying earlier, uh, I had to always go to the film school, like, or to the high school and, and the college in Nelson and, like, you know, hey, I'm this successful filmmaker guy. And, you know, as an example to these students coming up, and I always, I was always very real about it. I'm like it's not all it's cracked up to be like, you know, it looks all shiny and cool, but there's a reality to it that most people don't understand. And, and I think that like, yeah, I mean, you can go to film school, you can be self-taught like, you know, today, obviously you have the tools to learn almost anything. You can become a fucking doctor or a lawyer online, right? Like there's, there's nothing that really holds you back because the knowledge is there, but it's what you do with it and, and how you practically incorporate it into your, into your, world or filmmaking or whatever it is big al you feeling good about that four years of film school now great <laughs> you gave us a thumbs up 40 grand a year at fucking the, the company bud there you go all right should we play a game Whoa, Absolutely. Oh, oh, oh what dave what what, what do you got an intro now what oh it's that time again folks time to play this or that the game where you choose between two radically different options either this or that are you ready? What the heck was Who that? that? This or that? I made it. Whose voice was that? That was an AI Nardwar. <laughs> oh, no shit. We actually did uh, Tarek Razuli's crash uh, where he got paralyzed in AI um, in the film. And I've done a couple of AI projects over the last couple months. Oh. And it's, it's mind melting. It's mind expanding. It's, it's actually scary and cool and all of the things above. Sounds like this or that. Are you ready to play? Sounds like another podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to take that. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, we're going to play a game. There's going to be two answers, either this or that. We have a list of questions here. Are you ready? <sighs> yeah. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Question one, mountain bike film or ad project? I'm fucking trying to sandbag me in front of the mountain bike audience, aren't you? <laughs> Don't that. worry, nothing will, your life will remain the same I'm after taking this. that. No, no, you gotta answer one. Oh. Yeah, 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 you gotta, yeah, mountain bike, mountain bike film or commercial. I'm gonna take commercial because it begins and ends. Ooh. Nelson or Kamloops? Ooh, Nelson. Wet trails or dusty trails? Wet. Emmy or mountain bike hall of fame? <laughs> mountain bike hall of fame. New world disorder or nothing's for free? Is there the music cued from uh, what's that show? Dan, Who wants to be a millionaire? Dan, <laughs> Jeopardy. Dan, Jeopardy. Basically, yeah. this. Uh, is, yeah. it, is it this making is, it I'm more? I'm going to take nothing's for free. Good Ooh, answer. For, good for answer. five, there, Vanna White. <laughs> <laughs> Pow or Loam? Sorry, what was that? Pow or Loam? Pow. Steeps or jumps? Um, more of a steeps guy these days. Beer or coffee? Uh, probably yes. coffee. I 
I don't drink much of either. Mm. One one coffee a day, once in a while a beer before I came over here to take the edge off my hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Early mornings or late nights? Uh, probably late nights. Tacos or burritos? Uh, I like burritos. Eat a whole jar of mayo in one sitting or a whole bottle of hot sauce? Hot sauce. Travel back in time or to the future? Back in time, man. Take me to the 70s. Uh, bad brakes or bad suspension? Uh, yeah, probably... Probably brakes. Dick-sized nipples or nipple-sized dick? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to take the dick-sized nipples. <laughs> Do you know who you're talking for, to? For 20. <laughs> Big D. <laughs> yeah. Big Ds. Uh, underbiked or overbiked? Uh, me, these days, I'm a little underbiked the last couple months, but usually I'm pretty on point. That. Prime lenses or zoom lenses? Prime lenses. Filming bikes or filming skis? Ooh, filming bikes for sure. Skiing's for skiing. Slow-mo or reg-mo? Reg-mo. Uh, would you rather be four feet tall or eight feet tall? Eight feet tall. Garfs or longhorn? Oh. <laughs> Cat, I love you, longhorn. <laughs> Piss a marble or poop a baseball? <laughs> uh, baseball, huh? Marble, huh? I'm gonna go with the baseball. Oh, yeah, good choice. Filming in the forest or the desert? Mm. Depends what time of year it is, but I'm going to go with the desert. Uh, A-Line or Dirt Merchant? Ooh, it's been a while for both of them. Um, I, I think I was always an A-Line guy. Morning shoot or night shoot? Uh, definitely night. Bolex EBM or Red 1? <laughs> red 1. <laughs> and finally, tough one, Rampage or Crankworks? Uh, well, sorry, Crankworks. I'm going to take Rampage because it really is. Whoa. Well, that is this or that. Good this job. Not bad. Yeah, not, bad not bad. That was tense. <laughs> that was tense. <laughs> what a variety in questions there. Yeah, yeah, we went all over the place. <laughs> yeah, we did. My, my ass is still hurting from the baseball thing. Uh, I'm all in, boys. That. And still, to this day, no one ever says loam over pow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always one. Been. Maybe one. Maybe one. Yeah. If you ski your bike, everybody's, everybody's choosing pow. Well, you know, if you've ever really, really experienced it, I, it's two different. Like, it's like, uh, yeah, it's just two different things. So where can people watch Nothing's for Free? And I guess this comes out in a It'll few be, weeks. Yeah. Yeah, this podcast will, yeah, it's live. It's live now. So where can people watch it? Uh, Nothing's for Free is not live at this minute, but by the time this comes this out, comes it, will out be. Mm -hmm. it will be live on uh, Outside's channels. Um, and then shortly thereafter, it will be brought to the world through various obvious uh, distribution platforms. And um, yeah, you'll see it out there. Um, for now, um, the outside subscribers um, get to watch it first, which is really exclusive and cool. And, and it's, it's great to, you know, sort of give it to that audience uh, first to who sort of support that industry and, and, and platform. And uh, yeah, I guess that's where it stands at the moment. 
Awesome. Well, and, and the website in which people can buy the original New World Disorder is 1 to 10. Freerider.tv. It's just launched. Uh, we haven't even told anybody about it. I still need to hit up our good friends at Pinkbike to actually uh, put it out there in the world. But we did a global press release to international countries last week. And um, yeah, it's kind of like our new home for mountain bike content and a lot of the stuff that we're going to be putting up and doing is going to be very different from what you would expect to see on a pink bike. Um, there you go. There's some cool, uh, projects. There's my podcast right there. The all killer, no filler podcast, a, oh, yes. ter a term that I coined back in the day that many bike brands have ripped off and, and, us. Uh, <laughs> and all killer, no filler. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That's you. I invented that dude. Wow. I, I also coined, Wade Simmons, the godfather of free riding, but um, Amazing. Magic Man, hit go watch right there, is uh, this art project I did with Jackson Riddle and his girl Taylin, and we did it in Las Vegas, and it's like this is our, um, like these are our, our, our sort of like our, I don't know, this is like our blank canvas to just to have fun and do cool shit. We yeah. were with Jackson yesterday. Oh, yeah. sick. Yeah. So he hasn't even, like, we haven't shown this to anybody, but, like, this is, like, just this, we rented Elvis's fucking Cadillac from 1955 or whatever year it was, and then just did this, because we were having fun and wanted to go to Las Vegas and party, so <laughs> we did this. Oh, it looks beautiful. That's a good excuse to go film. Man, that's awesome. Whoa, where's his hair? Where's his, where's his mullet? Yeah, he's got the, but... This is this is what we're kind of like uh, spending our time doing now um, in the mountain bike industry is just shit that a bunch of mountain biking people aren't going to understand. But um, we kind of did this as just like a rad thing to do and, and sort of, I think, uh, sort of just, you know, kind of inspire ourselves to just be able to do fun shit around the people that we like hanging out with, you know? And so it's kind of like a love story and they just oh go around Vegas cool. and, you know, just fall in love. And that's why it's called magic man. And, uh, yeah, Blake Jorgensen came down and we hung out, shot photos and filmed for a day. Well, the website looks great. I think we got to have a movie night. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Go. go on a, uh, we can do a, a uh, 24 hour NWD at the park and at yeah. Pankworks next year. Yes. Awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that brings up an idea. We'll talk after though. Um, anything else you'd like to promote your Instagram, your new Instagram, <laughs> Westerland direct. Um, yeah. I probably have one follower. It's probably my kid. And, uh, no, I, uh, I got nothing. I got nothing. All right. Go well, watch the film. Nothing's for free. Yes, please go yeah, do that. Thank you so free. much. Uh, yeah, this means a lot, and it's really cool for you yeah. for you to be in here and uh, super just, rad uh, to spread wisdom. Yeah, super rad to uh, to be here. I feel privileged and stoked for you guys, and and stoked stoked to just hang out. And we're excited for tomorrow, and uh, I can't wait to see uh, Bam Margera and or Owen Wilson or <laughs> Sweet uh, Pussy Frank. Or Sweet, Sweet Pussy, Pussy Frank. Frank. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he's the real G. <laughs> All right, that's Thanks, it. boys. Thanks for listening. Ow. Leave a review, leave a comment. See you next time. And as always, 
No, 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 no,